Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Chamber Chatter, Greater Manchester Chambers podcast series where we invite guests and experts along for a chat about current issues currently affecting business, what they see as solutions and what may lie ahead in the future. Today for this episode, I'm pleased to welcome along Nikki Flanders, the MD, Energy Customer Solutions at SSE PLC. And we're going to talk about COP26, net zero, energy, what role businesses have, what they can be doing, and look at diversity and inclusion too. So it's a real wide-ranging uh, conversation that we've uh, we've got lined up. Well, Nikki, welcome. Uh, thanks so much for taking to uh, taking time to uh, join us today. We have got an awful lot to uh, discuss. Some of it very very current. But firstly, if we just want to start really with a little bit about yourself and your current role at uh, at SSE. Great. Well, look, firstly, it's super to speak with you today. Thanks for the invite. I mean, I guess my career is best summarised in thirds. So third in retailing, a third in digital and a third in energy, spanning in total over 25 years. In terms of what makes me tick, I've always been at the customer facing end of businesses and really love translating societal ambitions into propositions. So, you know, obviously the environmental sustainability um, agenda ticks that box um, well and truly. From a leadership perspective, I've used my voice and whatever platforms I have um, been able to get access to to shine a light on IND matters. So going right back to when I was head of year at school, actually, so for quite a while. Um, I'm also a non-exec and a proud mum to a 13-year-old son, so no time to get bored. In terms of my role today, as you said, I'm the managing director for SSE Energy Customer Solutions Businesses across GB and Ireland. So in GB, we supply gas and electricity to 50 500,000 um, business premises. And in Ireland, under the SSE Electricity brand, we're the largest supplier of 100% green energy, supplying to just over 720,000 domestic and business customers. And both businesses are SSE's group's shop front. So for a range of pro product offerings to support all of our customers on their net zero journey. So this could range from renewable power to corporate power purchase agreements to home retrofits, you know, EV charging solutions right up to the larger scale distributed energy systems. So, you know, a, a very exciting place to be. Absolutely. And, and obviously, as I said at the start, very current uh, in, in, uh, in with what's going on and what the headlines are all about at the present moment in time. We'll come to that in, in, a, in a short while. First of all, I just want to look backwards, though, because six months ago, uh, the, the full glare of, of uh, news and headlines and everything was looking at COP26 uh, that, that was held in Glasgow. It seems, seems longer than six months ago, like a lot of things these days, doesn't it? Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I spoke to a few people that were there uh, and got their thoughts on it straight after the event, though. I'm just wondering what your thoughts are now, sort of six months further down the line on, on what came out of, of COP26. Uh, and, and obviously over the weekend, we've seen as well, uh, trailed in, in the media as well, that Alex Sharma, the minister responsible for COP26, Point out some very clear messages now to leaders saying, "Look, you've got to you've got to honour these promises that you made." There, just wondering what what things look like in your mind now, six months further down the line. Yeah, I mean, I certainly went into COP, and I, and I spent I was at COP for most days, so I was I was very lucky to be part of COP, and I certainly went into COP with high but realistic hopes. So, you know, to be honest, I never thought uh, in a fortnight that. 
bringing all the countries together for this summit was going to crack the whole problem. But, you know, that said, many countries did make significant moves on decarbonisation. I mean, looking at you know, various um, analyst reports, it seems that the convergence is that, you know, COP did fail to put, COP26 did fail to put the world back on track for the critical 1.5 degree pathway. And the tally of the commitments emerging are being ranged from 1.8 to 2.4 degree pathway. Now that's the commitments that, that were emerging. So if countries are then not upholding those commitments, then obviously, you know, that, that pathway isn't going to be achieved, even though it's, it's falling short of the 1.5. And we certainly can't gloss over that. And a whole lot more needs to be done and quickly. That said, COP26 did have successes. Um, the event did galvanise um, in terms of connecting businesses to global policymakers. I mean, you know, just a couple of examples from us in SSE, you know, throughout or through the event, we had the opportunity to collaborate and share knowledge on a global scale. So the teams hosted the US Secretary of the Interior at our Peterhead power station. Equally, uh, some of the team led a Danish parliamentary group to our Clyde wind farm. And I think, you know, to tackle this huge issue, of your net zero, it is going to take diversity of thought and it does need collective brains to, to come together. So these opportunities to collaborate can't be underestimated. I mean, for our business specifically in SSE, we've you know long had net zero at the core of our strategy. Um, the week post COP26, we announced an uplift in our low carbon investments to 12 and a half billion um, by 2026. And six months on, you know, we certainly haven't taken our foot off of the pedal in terms of building out renewable generation, but also tackling broader issues of a just transition. And I think that's also what COP26 did. You know, there's the fundamental point around we need the renewable generation, but it's also about how we as a collective society are going to make sure that we're bringing people on the journey with us. And I definitely saw an increase in the narration of that point during COP26. Just where we are now, and obviously we've, we've got the conflict in uh, in Ukraine, and um, that's obviously having impacts all over the place. And uh, unfortunately, we seem to be in a, a, a spate now of everything just gets blamed on something. It was COVID, it was Brexit, now it's, it's the war in Ukraine. There's a mixture of things out there, isn't there, with, with living costs and costs of doing business, energy costs rising, all the rest of it. Do you feel to a certain extent that that net zero agenda has been sidelined in, in people's minds? I mean, obviously, companies like yourself, it's, as you said, it's front and centre, and there are still a lot of people out there that care passionately for this. But do you think in a lot of people's minds, it, it's, you know, in here and now, it doesn't, it doesn't mean anything anymore? And if that's the case, how do we get it back in people's uh, line of sight? Mm, I mean, I think it's, you know, it's perfectly understandable that energy and living costs with inflation running at its highest rate for, for 30 years, along with a truly heartbreaking conflict in Ukraine, are front and centre of the news at the moment. I mean, we did hear the UK government say yesterday that they're reviewing how they can further support households at this time. And I know that many energy suppliers have been working hard to support their customers as we have in SSE throughout the pandemic and also the recent price spikes. I mean, the, the current wholesale prices and volatility are very, very concerning. And actually, I think it's added impetus to the net zero agenda. 
it's highlighted the need to wean ourselves off of fossil fuels and that you know we've got this immediate issue but we also need to look to the mid and the longer term in terms of gaining stability and greater insulation from macro events and, and there's loads of you know things that we can do there from the here and now so just using one of our company examples over in Ireland the team have launched our electricity team have launched a home retrofit energy efficiency service and, and that enables customers to offset government grants it's making it really easy for homeowners to actually protect their homes as best they can and actually shield themselves from future energy costs so there's those sorts of actions and then obviously there's the the, the broader actions in terms of building out more renewables and you'll know that the government in its recent energy supply strategy um, announced the ambition to accelerate renewable deployment over the next decade so you know it's increasing its offshore wind target from 40 gigawatts to 50 gigawatts by 2030 and that's really significant um, in, in terms of in terms of that that leap you know for us um, at SSE we are currently building more offshore wind than anybody else in the world, um, including the largest um, offshore wind farm called Dogger Bank. And the more renewables that we build, um, the more benefit we're going to get as a society in terms of wholesale electricity prices falling. So the quicker we do it, um, the, the, you know, the quicker it's going to benefit all of us. And, and I think, you know, just to help put that in perspective, if Dogger Bank had that's currently in development had been operational um, through the winter it would have paid over 1.6 billion pounds to consumer towards the consumer so that's like a saving around about 67 pounds for every household and that's due to the way in which the government support schemes uh, for renewable products are set up um, so you know ensuring renewable generators actually pay back any money to consumers above a certain price so so this is this is good news for us in terms of needing to build out more renewables and to get there to get there quicker um, and i think that you know the the, the focus of that definitely has not abated, but quite understandably, our news sort of reels are, are dominated with the with the immediate issues. Yeah, and I think I think you make an interesting point there because um, I was in a conversation with a group of, of businesses the other day looking at, uh, at, at the whole net zero bit, and I, I you know those um, incentives, those impetuses that you get, the momentum bit behind, building behind it. And actually, large energy bills is a great mechanism for actually forcing people to make those decisions, isn't it? It's it's a way of doing it. When everything's good, what's the incentive to change? The minute you get challenges arising, that's when people start to open their minds a little bit more, isn't it? And I'm not saying energy prices rising through the roof isn't that great. What I'm saying there is, of course, it does act as that incentive, doesn't it, as, as, as you've mentioned. Um, and I think, you know, sometimes it can just feel... Uh, you know understandably quite overwhelming you know if you're if you're running a small or a mid-sized business I mean any size of business but particularly if you're in the SME um, sort of yeah. category you know where do you start um, but, there, but there are a lot of places that you know where you can start that aren't tackling um, the whole issue in one go so you know I think really about understanding you know how how are you using your energy um, and where's it coming from so signing up to 100% renewable electricity is is one route and at SSE we give the guarantee that any business signing up to one of our fixed tariffs is provided with 100% green electricity as standard 
from our own UK hydro um, and wind farms. And then there's things like smart meters. Now, you know, I understand originally, and I think we've still got a bit of a hangover on this, that, you know, initially businesses were very reluctant to, to even have a conversation about smart meters. But it has become now, as we've evolved and developed, a very unintrusive measure that businesses can take. So it comes at no additional cost. Um, it's less than an hour installation, which can be done at you know, different times of days and many companies like ours will do out of hours. And the downtime is about 15 to 20 minutes without the power supply. And, and the importance of smart meters is that once you get a smart meter, you have much better capability to be able to interrogate your consumption patterns. And you know, once you know, where your energy is actually going, you can then take actions to, to, to sort of, you know, look at how you can reduce. And so data is a critical part of the net zero journey for businesses. And there's an array of support out there. So, you know, many companies will do energy audits. You know, we have a tool called Clarity that we offer to our business customers for free that really enables them to sort of simulate, well, if I changed this sort of asset run, then what would happen if I didn't open my shop at this time, what would happen? You know, all sorts of scenarios. So I think once you sort it out, how much energy you're using, where it comes from, dependent on the you know, size and complexity of your business, you can actually make a really good start. And then if you've got a much larger business with more complexity, you know, there's all the sorts of solutions in terms of being able to intelligently connect your assets and your services and having localized flexible infrastructure. Um, but the place to start is understanding what you're using and making sure it's renewable. Really good advice there as well. And again, you know, a lot, lot better incentive is than if you're faced with a bill and you're thinking, goodness me, look at this. You can still do something active, can't you, to uh, do that? Might we just outline there's a massive array of uh, opportunities and, and services that, that, that you, you, you can offer. That probably you know worked there several years ago, but they are now when, uh, when when businesses do need them. So it's really a case of don't just rant against the, the bill. Do something because there is help available. I guess really. Yeah, I mean, yeah, lots and, and lots of um, options out there, and I and I, you know, it, it is a difficult time for businesses, and I don't want to sort of sound like I'm suggesting that this is all going to go away overnight. But there are things that we can do to support businesses to help insulate themselves going forward. So, you know, I would encourage people to look at our website, of course, but there's lots of other companies out there as well. Um, you know, speak to an expert. And, and many companies will give you, you know, a sort of a free conversation. This isn't about bringing in some consultant to look at your business. Um, this is actually about making sure that you're getting the right guidance to do the right things in the right order for your business, particularly if you're going down the route of retrofitting, that is really important to do things in the right order. And again, it's 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 giving businesses a start of a starting point, isn't it? Because it's not just about the here and now and let's let's cut, you know, slash some money off the energy bill, as important as that is. It's also then that longer term bit, isn't it? Because by doing that, you're actually starting them on the road to net zero. Uh, and sometimes people do that and they're not aware of, oh, we've, we've already made the start on that journey. But by doing this, you're actually, it's a win-win in a way, isn't it? Reducing your immediate outgoings and overheads and, and all the rest of it, making yourself more energy efficient. And that then, that then obviously comes back to the net zero. Because one thing, again, you know, speaking to some businesses, there is this uh, element of concern that sooner or later, you know, there will be more uh, taxation for businesses that aren't, 
doing anything around the net zero agenda. And if you don't do certain things, you'll be paying more. You know, in Greater Manchester at the present moment in town, we've got all sorts of things going on with the clean air zone, which is a, you know, it's not exactly net zero, but it's linked in with that environmental uh, sustainability agenda. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, the option there is you may start to have to pay charges for things. So, you know, businesses have got this in the back of their mind. So the sooner mm-hmm. they start on that journey, the better, really, I guess. Absolutely. I mean, it's going to take all of us individually um, to pull together to get to net zero. I mean, after all, you know, businesses are just people, etc. So, you know, each of us has actually got to think, OK, what actions can we take in order in order to get there? Um, and, and I think, you know, as we as we sort of look forward, um, that there really is no time to, to waste. Um, there's the need and the opportunity now for more renewables to be deployed quicker. There's the need to make our UK energy system fit for purpose to manage the intricacies of getting to and then sustaining net zero. So, you know, just for example, building out new transmission quicker in order to make energy markets more efficient so that wind generators can get all of their generation to where the consumer demand is. You know, the need for that creative and diversive thought to really bring practical solutions to market. You know, batteries are undoubtedly going to play a significant role here as well as solar um, as a very sort of near instant um, gas displacement um, technology. And and I think, you know, the thing for me as the managing director of our customer businesses in uh, SSE is about really working with our customers about how we can support them on this journey. Um, So, you know, the teams um, who who are really focusing on this, you know, they are experts in their field. And, And I think, as you say, businesses are increasingly thinking about their sustainability credentials and how they reach net zero um, and so you know if you've got companies like ours who are thinking about well how can we give com- you know businesses products and services to do this we move on that journey to what I like to say sort of democratizing green or democratizing net zero where no business needs, should be left behind you know every business needs to be supported and needs to have options to actually decarbonize. Just looking a little bit sort of further afield now and, and the, the, the wider picture really around uh, around net zero. What do you see happening over the sort of next five years and then the next sort of, you know, the five years after that? So where are we in 10 years time with all this? Bearing in mind there's some, you know, some targets rapidly approaching, you know, the 2030s seem a, a long way off, but uh, they're not really. And if you're going to have to start to make fundamental changes now at this point um you're gonna to have to move pretty quickly aren't you to uh, to 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 get to that point do you see things you know sort of uh, are we going to see a sort of big bang of things or is this going to be a bit more of a slow burn uh where people suddenly think all ah, right okay we've got to do that now because that's net zero how do you see things playing out and what role does government have in some of that Mm. I mean, I, you know, I think, as I, as I said, that we certainly don't have time to waste. And in terms of how things are going to be playing out, you know, more renewables need to be deployed, the overhaul of our UK energy system, thinking about the, the just transition and how we bring society with us are absolutely key. Um, you know, these, the, whilst we're getting quicker and quicker at building out renewable um, generation, these things don't happen overnight in terms of you know turning on a flicking on a switch um but but equally um i think you know as well as it being for all of us to make sure that we're absolutely driving within our own remit and net zero attitude 
government, as you mentioned there, they do need to provide a supportive investment backdrop for companies such as ours to invest in renewables and transmission infrastructure. So things like making sure that we're removing the, the blockers. So, you know, for example, giving priority to net zero targets and the climate emergency across aspects of planning and environmental um, processes yeah. so that we really speed up the construction of renewable capacity. You know, things like looking at the regulatory approach and actually how does that need to change to support the investment needed in a new network infrastructure? Um, you know, and that covers across the whole remit in terms of heat and transformation, uh, uh, transportation, et cetera. So um, it, it really is a, you know, it's our whole way of living that we need to look at over the next five and 10 years. It's not looking at it over the next five and 10 years. It's actually putting the solutions in that address it over the next five and 10 years. Yeah. Some of it still feels a bit of an afterthought, though, doesn't it? Some of it still feels a bit of a, right, we'll do a piece of work. And then somebody somewhere, usually at the back end of it, suddenly goes, oh, hang on a minute, we need to do that. And it still feels a little bit not fully joined. It's getting there. I, I, I think it certainly is getting there. But I think you make an important point. It's got to just become you know business as usual hasn't it really and we've really got to get that mindset going and I think that's a, a major part of, of where we're heading to with this but I, I always say to people you know if we're having this conversation five years ago it would be a very different one uh, and also speaking to a lot of businesses it would be a very different conversation as well because they'll turn around and they would have turned around and gone no I have no idea what you're talking about these days it makes sense now whether they're doing something about it that's the next bit but I, I think I think we are maturing as a as a society really when when it comes to this really so that's uh, that, that's good news I just want to move now to another area of your work that you you, you mentioned uh, right at the start and I know it's a, a part of it that that does have particular resonance with you and that's around diversity and in, in, inclusivity as well in the workplace I'd just like you to sort of expand a little bit on that, Nikki, and just explain why it means so much to you and, um, you know, what, what it means to you as, as well as, a, as an individual and also as a, you know, a, a senior top level employee in a major company. Sure. I mean, it's on a number of levels, really. I mean, firstly, it's just right that everyone has the same doors open to them. And then it's up to us as individuals if we choose to walk through them. Now, that isn't the reality of today, and I'm fully aware of that. So on a personal level, it gets me a bit chewed up inside, if I'm honest. I actually, I actually feel quite angry about it. And then on a professional level, it just makes good business sense. You know, we've spoken about some of the challenges that we've got we need to face into today and the scale of our challenges and how you know we're evolving as society requires diversity of thought so we need people from different backgrounds who think differently to come up with the best creative solutions and and i think there's also role modeling and it's absolutely key that our youth um, as they're growing up see that the doors whichever door they've got their eye on is one that they could walk through because someone that they identify with has done so before them. So it, it, it's on those levels, but it has always been something that, and, and I don't really know where it came from, but I have had this intense um, sort of, you know, sense of um, treating people equally and, and having justice 
um, much to the annoyance of some of my school teachers when I was young. Because look, I, I you know I used to stage certain <laughs> certain protests um, if, if that if that wasn't the case. And so <laughs> I think you know in my professional career, um, actually having the opportunity to have platforms to be able to drive through some changes and also and equally for me to make the decision about which companies I work for. So genuinely, when I went to work for SSE as part of my um, sort of recruitment process, I asked to spend some time with our inclusion and diversity head for, for the group. I mean, they, they were, you know, and, and SSE actually put that individual forward as well, which was fantastic. So I've joined a company that I could see wasn't just, you know, talking the talk, they really were walking it. And traditionally, the energy industry, in energy industry has been pretty male dominated. And, you know, SSE wants to do our part in rebalancing this and it's not just about gender it's about all of uh, diversity um, in terms of you know encouraging more people from diverse backgrounds into our sector and then retaining those individuals retaining that diverse talent and that requires a proper strategy so we kind of think of it in four areas so what's our ambition and this is about setting measurable goals now I have to be honest this is a an area that I personally have, you know, sort of wrangled internally with myself over over the years in terms of targets, pros and cons. But I think they are important at this stage of our journey. They are important so that we really hold our business leaders to account. And I'm putting myself in that in that camp and that we, you know, we are able to be measured. And then there's about sort of, you know, education and development. So really focusing on us as employees and what's the culture in our business and are we creating an inclusive workplace? And so how can we make sure that people really understand what inclusive looks like from all different perspectives? And then of course there's the processes. Um, so, you know, sometimes you think you've really created something inclusive and then you haven't realized you've got this process running along the side, which doesn't quite help. So really looking at the processes is something that SSE Group has put a lot of focus into. And, and finally, but by no means least, employee voice. So I know many companies and, and we have the same have belonging groups and our belonging groups are, are very successful. So, you know, really giving our teams and colleagues the platform to be able to have the right conversations with each other um, and conversations that are you know trusted uh, in a trusted environment that they're supported um, and that we then take action on the back of those conversations and we and we make change and and to be honest if we are going to tackle the future problems, so net zero and everything else that we've got to achieve as a society we need to make sure that talent diverse talent is rising up and that diverse talent has the access to those doors. Mm. And again, there'll be some businesses listening to this thinking, oh, well, you know, that's, that sounds great, but, you know, how, how can I make it happen? And again, but it's got to happen right across the whole scale, hasn't it? From the small sole traders, traders right up through to larger businesses like yourself. Is there any sort of advice to, to give to people? I guess some of this stuff is is very deep rooted sometimes, isn't it, in, in various organisations and may take time to get there. But is there anything, you know, to, to say to businesses who may be thinking about this? You know, it's a, sounds again, it's another one of those sort of win-win situations, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, so it, it can be, and it is, I mean, that's not shy away from it, it is a difficult 
um, subject for some people, for many of us to actually, you know, face into and actually think, well, how am I going to start the conversation in my business? But in, in my experience, there are so many people who are willing to help. So I'll just give a quick example of something that we did. Um, I reached out to my network um, and I'm lucky enough to have a really diverse network. And I asked um, some of my network out with of SSE to, to come and talk to my leadership team. So around about sort of 500 people in total um, to just talk about their experiences. So we had um, one of my um, sort of professional um, colleagues uh, from, from previous companies um, who, who covered all aspects of diversity in terms of you know, race, sexual orientation, um, also uh, sort of, you know, um, I, I guess sort of, uh, um, you know, people with dyslexia, so neurological thinking diversity, um, people who are single mothers, men, you know, literally everybody. We, we got a whole array and, and, we, and we called it Perspectives and we launched our own little perspective session. And what that did was it really... Was, was exceedingly powerful because it resonated with people and it wasn't somebody in management saying oh well this is how we need to think because that's not diverse you know it was listening to people's perspectives about how certain situations have made them feel over their careers to really put a mirror up to ourselves so that would be the first thing I would say start the conversation if you're a little bit fearful of starting it yourself, reach out to your network. There are so many people out there that feel passionately about this that would come and talk to your teams. I, I know that for, for a fact. Um, and, then, and then it's actually asking your teams um, about how they're feeling and do they feel that their voice is heard? And, and I think that employee surveys, you know, anonymously actually um, are very important to really give people that opportunity to say what they think. That's something that we've done uh, as as a chamber of commerce. Actually, we've we've uh, um, we, we surveyed our staff and other people. One thing or another, got some quite brutal feedback actually in, in certain. Kind. But we sort of knew already there were things we weren't doing as well as we could do, and that's just a a reminder, really, isn't it, to to do that. I think you made an in, important point in 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 that, Nikki, as well. It's this sort of struggle for talent bit as well, and at mm -hmm. a time when you know the the, the the roles of employee and employer seem to be going all over the place at present. Um, it's important, isn't it, that we, you, you know, you've got access to a wider range of people with skills that you can possibly get, you know, and I, it, it sometimes uh, baffles me that people sort of, oh, well, we'll not bother with that over there. We'll just focus on these people over here. You know, you need every single opportunity to recruit the right people and maintain and, and retain them and also retrain them don't you as, as much as you can yeah. and you've got to have a completely open approach to stuff like that if you're going to be successful exactly and and i personally find it really helpful to think of employees as customers so you know current and future employees as customers so just like we think well how can we attract customers how can we attract you know future employees and you know for, for us in sse with the, you know, the core of our strategy being net zero and with the growing importance in you know, generational importance um, in terms of climate change, actually, you know, younger people are becoming increasingly inspired 
to come and work in the renewables industry. But I'd emphasize to any company, however large or small, that you know, we can all have an impact in, with an environmental purpose. So, so actually, I think it's about understanding, just like we say, understand your customers, it's about understanding your prospective employees, what's important to them, what's important to the next tranche of talent, and how can you stand out to, to attract them, um, and, and think really broadly about that. Nikki, that's been absolutely superb. Thank you so much for your time. We've covered uh, such a wide variety of issues there, everything from bit of advice about how to immediately start to tackle uh, power energy bills and one thing or another through to uh, diversity and inclusion being a fundamental part of you know successful businesses and and really I guess in both instances with both those themes you've got to make a start on that journey haven't you you've got to take that first bit of action really and some of the stuff you've come up with today has been absolutely superb and hopefully given some people not just food for thought, but actually inspired people to go, right, that's what I'm going to do or that's what I need to do uh, to, uh, to take some positive action. Nikki, thank you so much uh, for taking the time uh, to join us today. It's been absolutely superb. Uh, and um, obviously that just wraps up this, uh, this latest episode, Chamber Chatter. Nikki Flanders from SSE, thank you for your time, your, in, your uh, thoughts uh, and some of your inspired comments as well. Hopefully it's given people some food for thought and, like I said, inspired them to take action. Nikki, thank you. Great. Great to have been here. Thanks.